Hey guys, we're doing something a bit different this week because as of recording, some shit went down, to say the least, in our country yesterday. And we we like to act as a place of escapism, a place for you to get away from all of the reality. But there was no way we could do the normal intro, the normal shtick, the normal way of doing things. And yeah, uh, how I feel genuine. Yeah, I was just saying, I don't want to beat around the bush here. If, if for some reason you're like, because most of the population actually isn't on you know, Twitter as much as it may seem like it. So if you somehow are out of the loop, as some of my friends were, uh, yesterday, the 6th of January, 2021, a uh, domestic terrorist, which is totally what they are. Uh, yeah, we're not going to call it anything but that. Yeah. Uh, terrorists stormed and occupied the United States Capitol, uh, the, you know, the building of Congress. And the police basically did nothing. Now, I'm not going to go necessarily into my own theories about why that is. I do have them, and maybe we'll talk about that another time. But that doesn't change the fact that, that these people, the, 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 this happened and that this is happening in our country right now. Yeah, and let's let's lay out some some facts. This was 100% brought on by Republican lawmakers pushing the notion that the election was somehow tampered with and stolen from Donald Trump More and then further exasperated by Trump leading a rally and saying go get him. Well, I was going to say more importantly, not just Republican lawmakers, the president himself for weeks uh, pushing this narrative, inciting his followers at rallies. He has a history specifically of calling on his followers to incite violence. This is something that it is sad, but a fact to say that this is not a surprise based on the president of no. the last years and especially over the last few weeks. But yeah, it was definitely, I mean, I put probably uh, a, a majority of the blame solely on Trump himself. I know his, his sycophants, which is the word I keep using, are, are problematic for supporting all this. But the fact that he's the one leading the rallies, pushing this narrative as hard as he is, and having these people be- behave this way. It, when you're in a position of power, it's great power, great responsibility, power corrupts absolutely, whatever, you, whatever metaphor or nerdy line you want to use, the fact is that this is what this man is doing. Yeah, there's no way around it. And no, I don't want to let the Republican lawmakers off because they were sitting in session arguing that votes should be thrown out because they believe that there was tampering with the election with no evidence. And then, and less than an hour after they got back, they went right back to going, I still think these votes were tampered with with no evidence after people brought bombs and weapons into the Capitol building. Fun fact, folks, the Capitol building has not been occupied since 1814 by the British. Well, technically the Canadians, but yes. <laughs> You're right. That, Canada, you got us there. You should really flout that more. So it now goes, I, I gotta Canada, say too, that... Nazis. <laughs> oh, God. yeah. The fact that there you can find pictures of people parading through the congressional building with enemy flags because i'm sorry the confederate flag 
is a flag of what it was straight up an enemy of the United States of America. So waving that flag in the congressional building is such a, ow, um, I can't even, I don't have the words for that, man. But for me, yeah. and I, I, I alluded to this earlier, the thing that hurts me the most is that I was appalled at the events at Lafayette Park last year. Uh, I was appalled by the various things going on in Portland to see government officials and authority behave with such brutality towards those protesters and then hear these people, the, the, the police and the authorities are basically just, oh, please leave. And then when after it's all done, Joe, just come on, come out, come out. Like part of me wants to be like, I don't wish the kind of authoritarian beatings that I saw at Lafayette Square on anyone. I don't. But the fact that this difference in treatment is so blatant and obvious, it hurts me to my core. And that's probably the thing that hurts me most. And the fact that they're already trying to flip the narrative. And I'm seeing someone... I'm not going to name who. I saw someone on one of my social medias start claiming that the people who were doing this were undercover Antifa people. Yep. And, I was just going to talk about that. Yeah, and the level of the level of anger I have at that statement is unquantifiable. Yeah. No, I feel like our stance on Nazis is pretty clear with one of our main taglines being fuck Nazis. So yeah, no, just un bearable, inconceivable rage at what I saw unfold and the fact that it was happening. This was one of those things that shouldn't happen, that doesn't happen. And I can't help but think of my dad called this. He said, I lived through the 60s. I saw this shit then. I'm seeing it now. You mark my words. These fuckers are going to try and start something. And that's because this was. This was a test run. So this is the part where we're calling you to action. Hold the lawmakers accountable. Hold everyone accountable. Do not shy from calling them terrorists because they're idiots or because you feel that it gives them more credit. Terrorists are, is what they were, whether they were competent or incompetent. The guys that did 9-11 did it with box cutters. It's not a high watermark to be a terrorist. Also, the literal definition of terrorist, to my knowledge, is a person or organization that uses terror, fear of action, fear of consequence in order to try to push governmental or societal change. And that is literally what these people have been doing for years at this point, and this is just a an explosion of this behavior, of this ethos. And we've said many times that other than our, you know, fuck Nazis tagline, we're not generally a political podcast. We're you come to us for escapism. If, you, if you're listening to us, which, by the way, thank you. But we're generally all about escapism. We talk about the darkest timeline as a, a, a tongue-in-cheek bit because we want to have a good conversation and have a good time. But Ulrich and I both feel – I know I've said this in, in words myself, and Ulrich hasn't said it in these words, but I know he feels the same way. As content creators for three years, to try to, to, to just escape from this, to not address it at all – and just go on with our next fun conversation like nothing has happened would be irresponsible and cowardly on our part. So that's why we're doing it. No, it's 100% bullshit because ignore this doesn't go away. If you ignore this, this wasn't a one and done thing. This hasn't been a one and done thing. It's been a continuously growing thing. 
and people don't want to talk about it because it's difficult or it's inconvenient or it's bad. But this this does not go away. History has shown us that if you give Nazis anything, then they just continue going. The fact that we have Nazis now still is an issue that I I don't understand how we had you know, a whole war about dealing with Nazis. You know, and yet or here I they know, are. I know you're a historian, so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir when I say this. But uh, but friend of the podcast and my own shield brother. Woonvog got me listening to a podcast called The Dollop that's an American history podcast told by comedians, but they're comedians who have, I don't know what the right term this is, but Dave Anthony, the main guy, definitely has a huge stake in uh, America as a like concept. I wouldn't say that Gareth doesn't, but Dave is definitely like very assertive and aggressive about it. And listening to stories about American history, the kinds that are not normally taught in school and you start realizing the the sheer level of purveyance uh of of how baked into this country things like racism and nationalism are and the fact that like i only just found out that the only reason why coca-cola doesn't have cocaine in it is because of racism i know that's a weird sentence go watch the dollops episode on coca-cola you'll know what i'm talking about but the point is that the more I learn about American history, the more disappointed and the less surprised I am that we still have Nazis around today. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird cognitive dissonance, and we may go into that another time. But no, it's one hundred percent. America was founded on racism, you, and by ignoring that fact, we've only allowed it to continue. But we're not going down that one. We're just raging yeah. and, and I, talking I, to you I, and I, telling you that. This is on you. You have to be responsible. You have to hold people accountable. You have to hold the senators that are sitting going, you know, I think it was Antifa, or this is no different than the Black Lives Matter protesters, or any of the other shit they're trying to backpedal now. No, get them the fuck out of there. And you've got laws. This was sedition. They brought this on. They attempted to unseat the willfully elected governance of this country. Fuck, look at what happened in Pennsylvania. They led an actual coup there. Yeah, I haven't learned about that one yet, so I'll take your word for it, but I'll look it up later. That's another thing, too, is I recognize I don't know everything. Uh, I'm always open to new information, and everyone else should be. Don't take any one source at face value. You know, Try to be as educated as you can be. I don't think I'm educated enough, but I, I'm trying. And... This is this falls in the same thing Ulrich is saying about holding people responsible. Be educated enough to know what you can, who you can hold responsible, and what you can hold them responsible for. Yeah. So last thing I'm gonna say, because I got to start shifting tracks for the episode, is for the love of God, do not let this just be a thing that happened. Do not fall back to apathy. Do not fall back to well, I don't care about politics. Don't give in to any of that shit because this isn't politics. This is the first shot in a war. And because this is not going to stop. This is going to continue to escalate. This is going to continue to build. And it is built on people going, well, I don't care about politics because whatever jerk off reason you got. Yeah. And I mean, I second that, certainly. And as someone who has a hard time to deal with politics, like I, I hold myself accountable for this kind of stuff too i know it's difficult but you at least try last thing i i want to say is i want to be very clear that when i then when we say things like america was 
built on racism or whatnot. Uh, I'm saying that as a matter of historical fact. I'm not, that's not me saying like I hate America or I love America. I actually don't believe in the concept of loving or hating a country. I I believe in human race. I believe in in people being, you know, good to each other in a society. But so don't don't take this as like a like, you know, fuck this or that other than just fuck these terrorists. That's that's the extent of my what I want to be very clear about. So yeah. No, that that's it. I mean, I could rage on and on and on, but I don't want to because I've been angry for the last 24 hours and it's it's exhausting. Anyway, so I've, I've without further ado, let's uh let's have a nice little pause and then we'll jump into the episode. We're not going to do the normal thing, guys. We're just going to jump right into talking about what we're going to talk about. Uh we hope our patrons understand, but Come, yeah, this this one, guys. Is, there's no good way. After three years is what we have to to start our to start our anniversary episode with. What a day! <laughs> yeah. All right. So, first and foremost, we are going to thank someone who helped us. Or gave, he he gave us the idea for this episode. I asked you guys on Twitter, "Hey, third anniversary is coming around. We got Bupkis." What should we talk about? And uh, Jem Duku, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Really great guy. Great guy. Go follow on Twitter. He's a historian. Um, said, why don't you guys talk about trilogies? You know, third anniversary, talk about trilogies. And it's like, oh, that's a great episode. And in the spirit of trilogies, we brought on a third guest. Third guest up here from the shadows. Hey, hi. Well, for anyone who can't hear him, uh, that's uh, that's our buddy Woonvog. And was Woonvog the first guest we ever had? I know he's one of the first. I am ninety nine percent sure he's our first guest and possibly our first patron. Yeah, crawled out of the basement to say hello to everyone again. <laughs> he just he just sat there while we did our our intro, and uh, I, I feel. Uh, uh, impressed because i know that he has many feelings and thoughts too but he wanted to give us our our space to do our our ranting <laughs> sunny days yeah so this, so all right well this is gonna be interesting because uh we open all our anniversary episodes by talking about the uh year behind us well hold on real quick i know we didn't we're not doing our intro but do we still want to do our patron sound off no i let i guess i i don't want to attach them to this that's fair. Okay. This is, well, this is, there's a lot of unpleasantness and I don't want to go, Hey guys, you're part of this unpleasantness now. All right. So if you're listening and you're one of our patrons, we did, we're not doing it this time for those reasons. Hope you understand. So. We promise anyway. to give you an extra long episode in exchange. Cause this is going to be a long episode. Hmm. All right. Anyway, Ulrich, you're saying the year behind us. So yeah, we're coming into, we've been doing this three years now and that's weird to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I was I think, thinking back to it. I didn't know. I didn't think we were going to do more than a year or two, honestly. I did mention earlier that it was three years, and then Wunvog's response was, you guys have been doing it three years already? It is wild yeah. to think about. Yeah. And I mean, I just like think back. I'm like, we're getting also close to 100 episodes. Like, that's also coming up fast. So I'll have to think on that one. But no, I just think like the very first episode, like episode zero, which it might still be around at this point. That, I haven't uh, it yet. The Punisher and Star Wars? Yes. And you compare... Hmm? 
I still remember doing it. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but oh, so much has changed. So much has changed for the better. Honestly, I'm so much happier with the way we do the podcast now than how we did it then. Well, I feel like I said this every anniversary, but I'm just glad, Ulrich, that you got a lot more relaxed. Because in the beginning, for anyone who doesn't know, Ulrich was super fucking uptight about structure. <laughs> and I was trying to get him to just chill and have a conversation because that was kind of the idea of this whole thing. But he was worried about essentially not having enough content or, or not doing it the right way. And, you know, I feel like it's like driving. When you first start driving, it's very, you know, very tense. And it's only after you start doing it a long time do you relax into it and all works out a lot chiller since then i got i think i have a tonic mind man it's just the way my brain goes and part of what killed it was the labor that went into making it that structured on top of everything else was exhausting it's like all right you know what we're cutting this 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 is this isn't working this is too much work i don't like this let's let's have a more free flow and well, it's funny because once you, once you embraced a more free-flowing kind of thing, we started doing a lot more different types of episodes. Yes. So this year is going to be fun. I, we've had, we had some big guests this year. I mean, the two that immediately come to mind was Graham McNeil and uh, John Bailey. That's right. I am very happy with both those episodes, and both those ones are just kind of cool moments for me personally because, one, Graham McNeil is a big part of the reason that I love you know, Warhammer and play Ultramarines. And I've been listening to Honest Trailers for God knows how long. So, and I mean, John Bailey, that's the voice of Honest Trailers. And I've, I've followed him as a voice actor, so I know when he pops up, like, hey, I know him. And now it's like, hey, I know him. And I got to have a conversation with him. Yeah, and uh, talking as as one of your guests, it's, it is really incredible just uh, being a listener of your guys' stuff as well. Uh, going from... You know, the friend of one of the hosts where my first episode, I believe we were both sick with the flu. Probably. That sounds about right. So both of us just kind of trying to talk over our own head congestion, (laughs) moving on to seeing you guys, you know, chatting with, you know, voice actors and book writers. And it's really incredible. By the way, it's always been a weirdly, an odd thing for me where, like, I'll be talking with Woundvog here. And then he'll say something like, he'll get ahead of me and, and be like, yeah, I heard you say it on the podcast. Like, oh, that's right. You listen to it. So. <laughs> now, that's the other weird thing. Are we, we're fairly international. Like, I, I can see the numbers. You guys really like us, not only in the UK, but in countries like New Zealand, Australia, huge parts of Eastern Europe. You guys really like us. And that's kind say, of a head trip. You told me Russia. And I was, I was surprised at Russia. So. We are still we are big in Russia. Like we still pull good numbers in Russia as well as Eastern big chunks of Eastern Europe. It, it's it's just crazy. And I, I mean I don't want to discourage our other guests this year because we had a lot of great guests. We had so many, and I can't. Unfortunately, a lot of you, a lot of you blend well, together. Make, you know, year wise. Well, I want to make a quick point when we're talking about guests that uh, I know it wasn't this year. Is actually like I don't know if it was, was it the first year or the second year. Point is that. Chris Chipman, the Chippa, has become one of my favorite people, period. Yep. And we wouldn't have met him and become friends with him without this podcast. And that's one of my favorite things to happen from this entire project. We love you, Chris. The people we've met and got to interact through with it's because of this podcast is a lot of fun. And it is interacting with our listeners on Twitter that makes Twitter worth it most of the time. <laughs> 
It's, it's a slivable hellscape at times. Yeah. You know, Axel get blasted watching Bad Boys 2. Ouch, yeah. Oh, in yeah. movie nights. We, again, we have done... <laughs> I, again, I know this is my own personal driving insanity, but our content uptick is also incredible and, like, we're not doing enough. We should do more. But for the record, and, I, I don't I don't drink, like, much at all. <laughs> I especially <laughs> don't drink in front of Woundvog because he doesn't drink at all. But I needed to for Bad Boys 2. I couldn't... I couldn't not drink. <laughs> I feel like that's the best endorsement we can make for going and joining our Patreon so you can join us for the road to Bayham. Oh, that's going to be hard to get back into. Yeah. They're so bad. <laughs> those, are, those have been uh, interesting points to watch. Yeah, I usually bring Woundvog over so I have someone to help dull the pain with. <laughs> <laughs> those movies, yeah, these and, movies require yeah, a group watch. Yeah, him and Wretched were here for Bad Boys 2, so... I think Bad Boys 2 is the worst one we've seen so far, because it's Re so racist. <laughs> By the way, also as far as guests, guess, we didn't have Wretched Giraffe on as nearly as much as I would have liked, because he has a much different schedule. But what's funny is that we have our, our, our side podcast project, Geeks of Grimdark, that's all Warhammer-related, and when you think about it, Wretched was our very first Geeks of Grimdark guest before we called it Geeks of Grimdark, because he was the first guest we brought on to talk about Warhammer with us. Yeah, no, and I mean, we're talking uh, Geeks of Grimdark. We got to talk about, you know, Burt Jennings, one of our favorite guests I'm on, and been a huge supporter of that. And again, yeah. I know from the numbers, you guys loved Geeks of Grimdark. Geeks of Grimdark is coming back as well. That was, that was where we launched that this year, too. I, I heard, I'm not going to say, just in case it doesn't happen, I heard that some of you recommended we get some very specific guests that if it happens i am going to lose my mind <laughs> so but we are pursuing things at, at your request oh. listeners <laughs> that's the other thing when we very first started this podcast we had a dream guest list of like these are the people we want to get we're probably not going to get them but these are the ones we work towards and i think at this point we, we we've 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 finished that list and now we have a new list, and it just consists of Rob Paulson. <laughs> I would because that's the new ceiling. It's like, all right, we get Rob Paulson. That's it. That, there's nothing stopping us. I don't know. I mean, we, okay, you got your guess, but you do most of the actual seeking out stuff. Because, like, when I think about guests I, I would want, uh, we haven't really touched much of much of my – well, one. We got one of my main guests. But maybe we can have that discussion another day. So <laughs> – I don't know. I still think it's where we've had two conversations with Movie Bob. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, don't get me wrong. I, I like Bob, and and I've watched Bob's material for a long time. That's one of those things where, like, it's it's just it's kind of cool that, like, I mean, we met Bob through Chris, and I, part of me, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just know that, like, like Chris Bob was Movie Bob. <laughs> Fuck you, Woodbug. <laughs> but it's just funny because, like, Bob is cool. I just always want to come back to Chris, though, because Chris is, like, my favorite person that we've met through the podcast. No offense to everyone else. Sorry, but Chris is, like, one of my friends now. So, I mean, not... Okay, I'm putting my foot in my mouth, but you know what I mean. Whatever. You've just given Chris the ability to lord over his brother. Ha-ha, an obscure podcast likes me better. <laughs> there you go, Chris. Uh, There's your soundbite. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, no, it's been a crazy year, and a we couldn't do it without... Years. Three years, too. We... We couldn't have made it through 2020 without your guys' ongoing support and views and listens and just kind of proving that 
yeah, there, there's an audience for the insanity that we do and that you enjoy it and you want us to keep doing it and that you keep lining up to guest on it. The guy, and we have so many guests, so many. And I, I want, we will have every single one of you on here eventually, but that is the amount of people that want to come on this podcast that we can't get you all on. And that, that's really cool to me. Yeah, but at the end of the day, for me, uh, and maybe this is something I should say until the end of the recording, but too bad it's coming up now. At the end of the day, all the guests are, are wonderful and whatnot, and doing this is, is great, but the fact that this is an excuse for me and my brother to talk once a week when we live in completely different states is, like, the most important thing. And it's what's kept me... It's been a big part of what's kept me sane in what is objectively the worst year of my life that I've ever had. Not just for all the reasons everyone else had a terrible year. I had a lot of personal reasons. And, and Ulrich, like, I've said before that I have a very, I have a short list of, like, if I got married tomorrow, I'd have three groomsmen. It'd be Ulrich, Woundvog, and Wretched. Actually, too bad Wretched isn't here because then I could have it. But the point <laughs> is that, like, uh, Woundvog's over, visits me, like, once a week. I talk with Wretched, most nice to play games online. And I have this podcast where Ulrich and I can, you know, check in, have a fun conversation, and make sure each other aren't losing their mind more than normal. <laughs> <laughs> Good to end on the more than normal. Yeah. Uh, and I can't say as much for uh, for other watchers, but I will say, the personally, some of the most fun uh, listening to the podcast is just the banter between you two. Because you are very, you are very different people. I can, you can definitely hear that. But uh, it's great to see how you bounce, uh, bounce back between like things that you do like, things you don't like, uh, why personality-wise uh, those things shift, and uh, where the Venn diagram just meets every now and then, <laughs> where it's just like, oh yes, this, this we agree on. I am glad that it feels like we've gotten a lot better at not debating each other. Because apparently that was something we did a lot early on. Like, Wretched oh, told yes. me that he would, he would catch me using really crazy debate tactics to quote-unquote corner you. And he said that it was really dirty of me. And I didn't even realize that I was doing it. So That has more to do with the early structure of the episodes. And that a lot of times they were very, for lack of a better word, confrontational. Because one of the phrases that we've since retired was another time, another topic. True. Yeah. We have since retired that. And I don't know when, but I just know that we, as we, as we evolved, that one kind of got uh, dustbinned. Yeah, I suppose so. It's also been a long time since we did a Gone Off Forgotten. Not that we've retired that as an idea, but we've been doing like um, foundation or foundational geekdom and stuff like that instead. So. No, we still would bring out. We I gotta go and li- go and list of uh, Gamma Not Forgotten. We like those for we like those for guests. Those are great introductory guest episodes. A lot of times, and that's the other thing. I I know I don't know about Axel, but I have so many ideas for episodes. It's like some days I just want to take a week off and record endlessly just to get them all out of my head. But then I think about how freaked out I would be when I have to edit all that. Well, that that's another thing we've talked about before is that. So Ulrich is much more ambitious than me. Like, I like doing the podcast. I never expected the podcast to be even as big as it is now. And, like, so that's really cool. But to me, that's always been like a cherry on top. Ulrich is a man of action. He's, he's a visionary. And he's, he's got ambition. And so I think it's good to have that kind of, like, balance between us. <laughs> oh, no, I'm batshit crazy. I'll call it what it is. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So saying that, too. I've seen him go out to Starbucks. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I'm one half 
of the Geeks with Shields podcast, you show me goddamn respect. <laughs> I will never get over the fact that the people I've never met, I am known as the guy who hates Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yep. I was actually on a, I was on uh, shooting the shit with Chippa the other day without Ulrich because we were talking about a topic that was that didn't need Ulrich. And we were like, Ulrich's not here. Time to praise Scott Pilgrim. And he can't do shit about it. I knew I felt the disturbance. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear that whenever that comes out. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I feel like we could, uh, say, we could reminisce. Yeah, I, I'm very glad we're still doing this. I'm glad that Ulrich used a favor to rope me into it in the first place. And uh, I'm glad to still be here. So, you know, three years, here's to three more. And uh, unless you got something else, maybe we should get into what we actually are planning to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's dive into that one. And I, I honestly, I can't believe I didn't think of this because this is a brilliant idea for not only an episode, but for our third anniversary. Which so, did you yeah. say earlier? I, I don't know if you said it earlier. because I did, but I'm going to say it again. We're going to talk about trilogies. And trilogies. I don't want to talk about just like good trilogies. I want to talk about good trilogies, bad trilogies. I want to talk about shows that work. You only did three seasons, and that's all they needed. Because I feel like there's not a lot of shows that did the three seasons and then quit on purpose. Well, then, first of all, right, let's do a quick like round, round robin, roundhouse thing of uh, what's one trilogy that might be your favorite and one trilogy that might be your... Unfa- what's the opposite of favorite? <laughs> least infamous. thing you... I don't want to say hate, because I don't, I don't want to use hate that much anymore. Like least liked? Yeah. Because yeah. like- <laughs> one of the Disappointing. Got- There's a word, because so many times the third movie in a trilogy is the one that just like, oh, and you, you ate it on the last well, stretch. thinking, like... How many trilogies is the third movie the best one? The the only trilogy I could think of that I feel that way about is probably Indiana Jones. Don't get me wrong, I like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Last Crusade is probably, in my opinion, the best Indiana Jones movie, and it's the third in what is a trilogy. <laughs> Quick interjection there, too. It's like, to take something from uh, another podcast that I enjoy listening to, uh, Undercooked Analysis. Sorry about that. Continue. Ben Pierre locks. When something seems really good at the beginning and then just stumbles really hard until it just kind of fails at the end, uh, there's a fun term called shitting the bed. Yep. No, I've used that one many times when I'm talking about a franchise. Like Blade 3, great example. So much goodwill, good movie. That Blade Trinity, good job. And no, that's not my one I'm going to use. I have one in particular. But that's why I was thinking. But I was thinking about it in that regard. Uh, the, what I mentioned with Indiana Jones, because like we just recently did that episode about Mad Max, and the best mm-hmm. Mad Max movie is the fourth one. And I was like, yep. "How many times has that happened?" I can't think of another time. Not so only like, the okay, fourth I'm- one, the one that came back after a decades-long hiatus with a new yeah. lead actor. Yeah. So, so we could almost consider the original Mad Max a trilogy, and in that regard, the second one is the best one. And honestly, I feel like when I started thinking about it. Like, the second one is usually the most swingy one, I find. Because, like, the first trilogy yep. I thought of, when you say trilogy, I think of Star Wars. It's just cultural. Yeah. And and in original Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back is considered by most people to be the best Star Wars movie. I, I'm i not here to argue one way or the other, but as far as, like, the original trilogy is concerned, that's 
the consensus, and in Return of the Jedi is considered good, but mm, compromised. So you're getting dangerously close to breaking our no Star Wars rule. <laughs> hey, I'm talking original trilogy. I can talk original trilogy without crossing any 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 barriers. So I mean, you sure so. about that? <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, so I'm starting to think of like what other trilogies are there really? No, uh, the for me probably the best example of a trilogy that maybe didn't shit the bed by my estimations, uh-huh. but did by money estimations and critical consensus is probably Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, which is one of my favorite trilogies, because even though the third movie is not in the same league as the first and second movie, I still actually enjoy it for a lot of reasons. So that trilogy just works really well for me. I'm sad that it ended the way it did, but it's an interesting example to me of like how a third movie can really go off the rails uh, comparatively. Because it's good in very different ways than, than the first two. So The pieces are there, but it's kind of like a drop jigsaw puzzle. Well, the, the main problem, Spider-Man 3 illustrates, from my research anyway, that when you have a trilogy, or when you have a franchise, but especially in a, you know, a trilogy tends to be a franchise, same thing, is that by the third movie, the studio is taking a lot more control than in the first two. Usually the first movie in something yeah. is a, is very much an auteur project. The second movie, the company will – it seems to me that the company behind it will be like, hey, you auteur director, you did a good job. Do it again. And then if they do, then they're like, okay, but now the third one we want to be safe and we want to make sure it closes out and make as much money. I, I don't know why it feels like they're breaking a pattern in the third movie, but I hear that this has happened in a lot of franchises where it's usually by the third movie that the main creative forces start losing control of what's going on. And that's what happened to Sam Raimi in, in Spider-Man 3 is that Sony basically exerted a lot of control over him and didn't let him get to make his project. He wanted Vulture to be the main thing in Spider-Man Brutal. 3. So... Another one that I really like, and again, uh, contentious uh, third third act there, uh, is one that I know Axel and I both very much enjoy is Mass Effect. Video game trilogy. Video game trilogy. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's a really good one, too, because, yeah, I love Mass Effect 3. I get that when it came out, it, <laughs> it had problems, but I feel like Bioware was really upfront about fixing a lot of them so yeah it's just a solid series like whole story told across three games and uh just a great science fantasy epic then they made the fourth one which i think almost not the, the studio. it is we do not call it that and because it has Andrew, nothing to uh, do with the mass effect trilogy it really <laughs> is more like a side story entirely it's like actually you know what another trilogy i, I don't know if i was gonna talk about that the that move or that game Andromeda is the Mass Effect trilogy, kind of what Dead Man's Chest is to the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, in that Dead Man's Chest may have like one shared character, but the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy was primarily about you know Will Turner and, and Elizabeth Swan, and Jack was just a character in it, and then they made Dead Man's Chest, which has nothing to do with any of that, and just shares you know Jack and some other stuff. So Andromeda is doing a similar thing where it's like, hey, you know the story about Reapers and Shepard and all that stuff. And drama doesn't care about any of that. We're just going to use the same, you know, characters. And, and you know what? That's not a bad idea for Mass Effect. Yeah. And Andromeda was let down by back 
behind the scenes shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. again, continuing continuing the story of a world beyond the trilogy isn't in isn't a bad idea. And a lot of people really like to see that usually. But again, it's you know, the story wasn't as engaging and there yeah, with with Mass Effect especially, Bioware was going through a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. But as far as far as, as far as that trilogy is concerned, I still every now or I still like with Wretched and that group, I bring it Mass Effect 3, and they still feel all the anger because they played it right when it came out. I didn't play the Mass Effect trilogy until several years after Mass Effect 3 had come out. So Bioware had already put out their free, like, updates to the ending to essentially make it a lot better, right? So that was my experience with it. So I never experienced the version of the third game that pissed everyone off. To be fair, we, uh, Axel and I got all the fixings. Exactly. Imagine <laughs> that with movies, like a trilogy comes, like a trilogy comes out. The third movie's super disappointing, and people behind it are like, "Here, we'll just fix it for free." And <laughs> and then you realize like, you're talking about the Snyder Cut, right? Like that is the idea behind free. the Snyder Cut. That ain't free. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah. No, I feel like there are other movies. The Sonic debacle was kind of that in movies. Yeah, oh, you don't like the design? All right, let's bankrupt a studio to uh, redesign this. There's so <laughs> much moral. Yeah. There's so much morally questionable about the Sonic things. Like on one hand, it's kind of cool that they're like, "Hey, this design's terrible," and we actually are listening to the people, and we're gonna, you know, fix it. On the other hand, you treated your people in your company like shit and crunched the hell out of your animators, and that's not good. So, and then fired them all. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're going off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mind. There were so many good trilogies that like, jumped to mind when I want to talk about. Like Lord of the Rings is oh, a really great trilogy. Oh, cool. well, Lord of the Rings is a whole. But real quick, I was trying to say with the uh, um, the whole Spider Man and uh, and like Terminator before it became Beyond a Trilogy. Although now I say Terminator is only two movies, but when I say the second <laughs> movie, when I say the second movie swings a lot, right? Like most people think that Spider Man Two is the best Spider Man movie of the Sam Raimi trilogy. I disagree. I think the first one is better, but that's just my anyway. But I find that you know, Empire Strikes Back is like you know considered by many to be the greatest sequel to a movie of all time. Godfather Two, similar things. So these are all examples yeah. where the second one is the best one. And then you look at things like Indiana Jones, where I think Temple of Doom is actually worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and everyone shits. You're on wrong. King... You're wrong. You are so wrong. But I'm not. We're not getting into that here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, point. Are, are you gonna are you gonna contest me that Temple of Doom is good though? Tell me you're not gonna do that. Yes, I will contest that Temple oh, of fuck Doom you. is Temple good. Of is terrible. It has an asterisk next to it, but it is not unwatchable or terrible. I must sidebar this hard. As uh, older fans may know, I I was brought on as the uh, cartoon aficionado. What isn't often addressed is that as a child, I didn't usually watch a lot of live action shows just because. I was more interested in cartoons. Uh, however, it means I've missed a lot throughout my years. Uh, fun fact, I have only seen the second and fourth Indiana Jones movies. That's too bad. Oh, you poor <laughs> bastard. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, before Ulrich rudely interrupted me with his wrong opinion, <laughs> that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is another example where the, that second one, whatever, I don't even know what it's called, is just so forget. Like, I know the first Pirates... I know the third one. I don't remember jack shit about the second one, like, at all. <laughs> and it, it was half of a movie that was three hours long. 
Dude, you want to talk? That's a franchise that really had potential that sunk on the second movie. Now, now, Lord of the Rings is an interesting example because Lord of the Rings actually, to me, is a lot like Mass Effect. And what I mean by that is that while Mass Effect is a trilogy, while Lord of the Rings is a trilogy, those are two stories that I really feel like are just one story told over three segments, which I feel yeah. like is different <laughs> from what I consider to be a trilogy. Like, I feel like there's a very fine but small distinction between those things. Like, I don't yeah. feel like the original Star Wars movies are telling one story over three movies. I think they're telling three different stories in three different movies that have me connected. But Lord of the Rings is telling one story across three movies. It's almost like a play. Yes and no. Like, that would really be interesting to dig into. Because on the one hand, you have, they were all filmed back to back. So narratively, they kind of flow one into another. They were written that way. But I would argue that each of them is tonally different in that The Two Towers is a war movie, more so than either Fellowship or Return of the King. Yeah, but it, you can't deny that like that structure that The Lord of the Rings does feels like a three-act structure of a movie just blown out oh, yeah. to its own movie. I will say this. You could put on Fellowship and flow from Fellowship to the end of Return of the King and feel like you'd watched one movie. Yeah, that whereas 100% I feel like true. if I stop... I feel like if I stop after... I, okay, I can stop after Two Towers and feel like I got kind of a satisfying thing, but I can't stop after Fellowship and feel that way. Like, Fellowship's ending is so... Not an ending, is so a beginning that it feels like it's the end of the first act of a movie. So what about Back to the Future? Because Back to the Future flows that same way. No, I would say Back to the Future is... Back to the Future is a very special example. Because what Back to the Future is instead doing is telling one story three different ways. And it's literally repeating that story in a different way. So I can't think of any other trilogy that strikes like that. So... No. Didn't think about that. That, Yeah, that that was a very interesting style for... Because I mean, literally, the first Back to the Future is let's tell this story in a contemporary way. Then the second one is let's tell the story in a sci-fi way. And the third one is let's tell the story Western. in a Western way. But it's the yeah. same story each time. But they lean into it. They don't hide that fact. It is literally built from the ground up to be like, hey, how do we do the same scenes, the same concepts, but in this genre instead? So, yeah, no, I mean, because we watched it over uh, Christmas. And I'm like, wow, this really does kind of flow one into the other. And it's still, holy hell, that may be the perfect trilogy because it knew when to quit. But uh, maybe on the grounds of some that missed their mark. Uh, I know one for me is uh, kind of the Mockingjay series, The Hunger Games. See, I didn't watch oh, yeah. Those. I never saw a single Hunger Games movie. I had no reason to. No one. I had no connection to the book, and I knew no one who took me to one. So. From from what I've seen of them, they flow a bit better than the books. I've I've read the books, and the biggest problem with with the series as it went on is all of it in the books, at least, is internalized by the main character. But by the time you get to the second half of the second book and the entirety of the third book, there is so much happening on the outside world that getting to see that through the movies worked a bit better than just having Katniss think about it. 
Yeah, I only read the first book, and I was like, that was okay. Eventually, I'll read the second and third book. And then I just watched the movies instead, and I went, that was an interesting trilog- quadrilogy. <laughs> Probably could have been a TV series and been paced way better. Because yeah. honestly, you don't need big chunks of the first and second movie, and the less said about the third movie, the better. I think I think I probably was super hesitant about Hunger Games because it literally came out when YA movie adaptations were at their peak, when we had things yep. like The Virgin and The Maze Runner and all these other franchises going. They on. were just cranking them out, and they were oh, they was yeah. so cookie cutter. Yeah. And go. This is getting into a whole different tangent, but. Uh, it it also had one of those ones where it split the story, the final story into two movies, which again, it's I wouldn't say it was completely necessary, but was it, was Harry Potter yeah. the first to do that with the yes. eighth movie? Yeah, because yes. I know that they did that. I know Twilight did that. Twilight did it, and it it was it was not necessary. <laughs> Full disclosure: I've seen every Twilight movie twice, but I watch it with my friend. Uh, with the riff tracks, and it is one of the funniest goddamn comedies through watching them. Hmm? I believe it. Uh... Hey, you know what's a fun trilogy story I had to share? All right. Uh, there was a trilogy that was a very popular one, and the only movie I saw was the third one, and I saw it with Ulrich, and that's Underworld. Oh, oh yeah. Only- the only Underworld movie I ever watched was Rise of the Lycans, and I watched it with Ulrich. And I, the only reason I did is because I was like, so this one's about the werewolves, right? All right, I'll watch it then. So, and it I really still worked. maintain the third one's the best of the trilogy. Yeah, I, I know the story of the first one. I don't know anything about Underworld 2. I have no idea what that's about. <laughs> yeah. No, those movies, those movies are, if you want an insight into what the mid-2000s we're doing with fantasy and sci-fi i give you the underworld trilogy is we had the by the way is underworld just fantasy the matrix yes because it it is it is wearing that whole internet vampire versus werewolf it is steeped in the hot topicy goodness of the mid-2000s do either of you guys know there's any truth to the rumor i never looked this up i heard it offhand any truth to the rumor that Underworld was, when you trace it back far enough, based on a online role play that was based on gypsy like uh, lore? No, that was heavily debunked. As <laughs> it was, it was one of those internet rumors, kind of like how people used to say that Hunger Games ripped off Battle Royale. Well, that was less of a ripoff and more of a. There's a lot of odd similarities between the basic concept here, but at the end of the day, I may not. Yeah, have seen well, when you games, deal with broad concepts, yeah. Also, about to say, I may not have seen Hunger Games, but I know enough about it to know that it's doing something completely different with that setup that Battle Royale was doing. So, because I've seen Battle Royale, yeah, that's that's a very different movie. <laughs> oh, that's it's a very different book. Period. That that's true. So, yeah. So no, no. I didn't have books because you brought up video game trilogies, so I got me thinking about other kinds of trilogies. Like, what book trilogies? Besides Lord of the Rings, right? Like, I'm trying to think of like what book trilogies have I read? I think of uh, the Old Kingdom trilogy is one of my favorite books ever, which I know I know Woundvog knows. Uh, do Do you know the Old Kingdom trilogy, Ulrich? The name sounds familiar, but I don't know. Think I've ever read it. It's a uh, it's Garth Nix, I believe. 
And it's um, essentially a fictional world where you've got a continent split uh, down, like, the equator by a wall. And north of the wall, there's magic and, and, like, fantasy setting and whatnot. And south of the wall is, like, late 1800s London. Like there's there's basic tech, there's engines and steam power stuff like that, but that electricity cool. electricity just does not work north of the wall, and magic just does not exist south of the wall. Interesting. And, yeah, and uh, the but the big idea is that the main form of magic is necromancy, and uh, then there's a person called the Aborsen, which is a special type of necromancer who uses necromancy to fight other necromancers. The three books are called. That's not where I thought that was going. Yeah, right? The, the three books are called Sabriel, Lyriel, and Aborsen, and they are wonderful. But it's one of those things where, like, the first book feels like it was just a contained story, and then they just made the second and third book. They're like, and now it's a trilogy. So <laughs> I mean, they're really good, but it's one of the most blatant examples of that I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I honestly – I was thinking about this. Like, book trilogies aren't – I don't know if it's not a thing anymore or just not a thing in the books I read, but I mean – you got the Horus Heresy as an opening trilogy, but then that goes on to 70-plus books. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got uh, Ari Salvatore's, you know, Drizzt series, and those are broken down into threes, but there's also, like, 20 books in that whole series. And Well, I was thinking that a lot of the big book franchises are much longer than three books now. Yeah, so. in some cases, it usually ends up being, like, either a series of trilogies or a series of series like uh wasn't wasn't Aragon supposed to be a trilogy at first? Aragon was initially yeah. supposed to be a trilogy. However, he ended up realizing uh or the author Christopher Paolini realized his story was going to go way too long with the last book, so he had to split it into a fourth, which he wasn't happy about, but it worked out. Sidebar, Woundvog's been a fan of Aragon as long as I've known him, and I also know no one who has expressed more disappointment with the adaptation than him. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I just finished rereading the first two books <laughs> and going back and thinking about like I have no memory of that movie. Like I just kind of walled it away in my head reading that first book, going, yeah, they really fucked up that movie. Oh, yeah. Later one these days, we'll give you like a twenty-minute buckler just to rant <laughs> about it. <laughs> but, so uh, yeah, no, I don't. I, I get listeners. You gotta let us know if book trilogies are still a thing that exist, or everyone's just moved on to the Harry Turtle Dove school of doing it. With everyone gets twenty books. I feel um, like fives and sevens. I see a lot now. It, so. it definitely seems to be more of the commonplace. It's always uh, odd numbers, though. A trilogy I do like is uh, is actually from Rick Riordan, uh, the Kane Chronicles. Which if the you Egypt version, right? Yes. If you know Rick Riordan, it's he does uh, he does books based off of old mythologies, uh, and the Kane Chronicles follows. Uh, I, I say it real Egyptian. quick. I say this without no malice. I'm not saying this is a critique. I'm just trying to point out. If you don't know who Rick Riordan is, he, I describe him as mythology for preteens because he doesn't write necessarily for kids, but he does write. For like, I feel like to be understood by a ten to thirteen year old kind of age group. It's Definitely, still, still enjoyable stuff though. Anyway, continue. Sorry, Kane Chronicles. Yeah, and yeah, that one. Not to go get nerds too deep into it, but it's uh, it's about the two main siblings. It's been too long since I've read them, uh, but they end up finding out that basically the ancient uh, Egyptian god of chaos is 
about or is uh, attempting to escape. And through channeling the magic of, uh, for the main characters, it's Horus and Isis, I believe, uh, they have to use uh, basically Egyptian sorcery to stop him and bring back the Egyptian gods. For the record, I never read Riordan's Greek series, the the Percy Jackson series. I did read the first two of his uh, Magnus Chase books because of Norse, and of course I was going to read the Norse <laughs> version. And yeah, they were fun. I didn't I didn't know. Uh, I mean, I was aware that he had an Egypt like version, but I didn't know anything about it. So I know a book trilogy. Uh, his Dark Materials. Oh, that's oh, getting turned yes. into a. Uh, that's just the Golden Compass stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's our that's an that's a really good HBO series from everything I'm told, and I'm really curious as they get closer to that third book how they're going to handle that trippy mind fuck. Admittedly, I could never finish the series. I read Golden Compass, and that was pretty interesting. I tried to read Amber Spyglass, and it just it just couldn't. couldn't Amber, I uh, I got through. I had to read it a couple times. Like I have read through the Golden Compass and the Subtle Knife a couple times because they're really good. And then I always kind of slow down the further I get into the Amber Spyglass. And I finally finished it, and I put it down, and I went, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> so fun, yeah. fun thing, real quick. We should have a uh, <laughs> a side category that I'm going to call not trilogy trilogies, where you got to the third or fourth thing in a franchise and gave up. I say third or fourth because either way, there's only three of the thing in your estimation. Because I literally have two book examples of this. One is the Dexter series, where it has three pretty solid books and then goes out of its goddamn mind in the fourth one. <laughs> or maybe it was the third one. I don't know. They, those three and four blend together pretty well. And then there's, I know Ulrich knows this because I, I'm sure that neither of you guys read the Dexter books, but I know Ulrich read the, uh, the at least the first Iron Druid Chronicles book because I, I got him. I, I made it. it right up to the last book, and I need to read that last book, but I don't want to because that series angers me. Yeah, and that's the thing. I call it a not trilogy trilogy because you made it farther than me. The first <laughs> book, I loved. The second book, I was all right with. And then in the third book, the main character starts murdering figures from Norse mythology. And, I mean, that's not inherently a bad thing. He's been killing us since the first one. But it was how blatant and without any sort of fanfare or seeming respect he murdered Ratatosk and the Norns. And I was like, this is just going to be a book of him going and murdering my my mythological figures. And I I don't feel like the experience. I, I got through that. But as the books go on, it becomes more and more author insert role-playing a cool, badass guy that everyone's in love with and has no it it gets it gets real it's got it's how to put it the story is really interesting but it has a very strong ready player one vibe to it in its pop culture inserts and boy this main character isn't a stand-in for the author nope not at all he Mm -hmm. just is you know beloved by everyone and skilled at everything and oh he also has a beautiful irish girlfriend that loves him more than anything yeah. It gets yeah, real hard to read. That. Point is, I didn't get past the third book. I stopped halfway through the third book. So, Does I, does the Iron Man trilogy here count for me? Because I can't watch Iron Man 3. Well, Iron Man is just a trilogy, so... Yeah, and I, I noped out in the third one. 
Yeah, but noping out in the third one doesn't make it a not trilogy trilogy here because it is still literally a trilogy, even if you noped out the third <laughs> one. It just qualifies but as I a... Mean, okay. <laughs> that, that is true. I always kind of forget that... I don't know, because people try and argue, well, what about Civil War being Avengers 2.0? It's like... No, you know, Civil War Civil War may be basically Avengers 2, more so than Age of Ultron, but it is also still definitely Captain America 3. Like, that's kind which, of what's cool about that movie. Let's call it what that is. Captain America is the best trilogy in the MCU, hands down. And I don't think anyone's yeah. going to unseat it. Yeah, because while Thor, so Rag- while Thor Ragnarok would be my favorite movie of the series, and of, of Marvel in general, and I love Thor 1, The Dark World is my least favorite of all of the MCU movies. <laughs> whereas all three Captain America movies are among the best in the entire MCU. Captain America 1, 2, and 3 are all fucking amazing. <laughs> And they're each different genres, and they work so well. And that was the one I remember watching it going, hey, that first one was really good. Holy shit, the second one was really good. Is the third one going to be the first MCU movie to you know, complete the Holy Trinity? And it did. I mean, Guardians could do it. I know a lot of people don't like Guardians 2. I think they're wrong, but... Wait, wait, there are people who don't like Guardians 2? I hadn't heard that. Oh, Guardians 2 is very divisive for stupid reasons. I'll take your word for it because I had not heard anyone give negative words about Guardians two before. So, um, it's uh, I mean they're still making them. I don't know if they have more planned, but uh, the Toy Story trilogy was very well. That's done. a that's a great example of a trilogy, not a trilogy. When the fourth well, yeah, one because, is so I didn't see the fourth one. I heard that the fourth one was fine. But, I thought, I thought yeah. we went for the fourth one. Oh, oh, sorry. I was thinking of the yeah, not the fourth. Did they make a fifth one? Is there a fifth one? No, I don't think it's a fifth out yet. No. Not yet. The fourth There's one. There's a Buzz Lightyear movie at the uh, fair. It is the fair. Okay, I was thinking that I didn't see one with the spoon creature, but I guess I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is how forgettable. Yeah, no, we, we did. We did see it. You know what? The fourth one was okay, but still, like the trilogy, the toy. I remember. I think that was my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's coming back to me now. <laughs> I'm talking about it. I remember not hating the fourth one. But the third one was such a good ending to the Toy Story story yeah. that it felt yeah. superfluous. Exactly. Now, there's a lot wrong with the fourth one. I don't really want to go into outside of it started asking questions. It had no desire to answer. And that always pisses me off when they do that. Well, it is one of those it's, things where I, 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 fair. Yeah. <laughs> I like it much better when movies that have that kind of crazy premise do not try to explain how the premise can work. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's that. I mean, if you want to do it, you better come prepared to actually give an answer, not just go, "Hey, how do toys have sentience? Does everything have sentience?" Oh well, we we, we Woody's sad again. No, no, no. You get back do, here and you answer that question. I do kind of like the the cosmic <laughs> craziness of the spoon creature. Well, <laughs> they address it, but it's it's really in, in just one line that she sees him as a toy, therefore he exists as a toy. You could argue that basically no, what Toy Story 4 is saying enough. is that toys are to humans what humans are to gods. Like, kids bring toys into existence by the belief that they are toys. Which, considering... It makes the... us even worse. We are cruel and capricious gods. Well, considering the Toy Story 3 allegory of heaven purgatory view of hell and return it it does it lines up 
it lights up very well. But the more you think about it, the more your head hurts because it gets a little crazy. Yeah. Before they you were know, asking questions they didn't want to answer or they didn't have answers for. Well, real quick, it's one of those things where I, I've recently <laughs> been thinking about this with um, with Cobra Kai because for anyone who doesn't know, Cobra Kai is fucking amazing. But I've seen yep. some people criticize Cobra Kai's latest season and, and last season too for why don't they just call the cops? And you know what? In reality, sure. It is not reality, though. It never tried to be reality. It's a heightened story. And it's one of those things then where... Then you can't have... I am one of those people. You cannot have the police in your universe arresting people and then go, you can't call the cops. This isn't reality. No, that no, doesn't no, no. work. Here's, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. It, was it, is it Wes Craven who has the famous line? Or is, why don't they call the cops? Because that'd be a boring movie. I think that's Wes Craven <laughs> or John Carpenter. I can't... Remember which one? It's definitely one of the two. Yes, it's that one of those sounds two. more like a John Carpenter because John Carpenter is very direct. Yeah. In, in so for me, it, it fits into that kind of category where it's like, okay, I know that it is ostensibly in our world, but this is supposed to be a heightened reality where kids could have a giant fucking school rumble style brawl at a high school, and they're and the teachers don't do anything because that would break up the fun of the scene. I can accept that from an entertainment standpoint. In a similar vein, I know that it doesn't make any sense for Buzz Lightyear to stop moving and act like a toy when he doesn't think he's a toy, but that's just being a killjoy to bring that up. <laughs> so. All right, so let's try another fun because this one, how about trilogies that never were? Like they got two good movies in there and they never got that third movie. It only had one, but... I always kind of, like, as a kid, I wished for more, but, like, as an adult, I'm like, no, nah, it works on its own. Is Iron uh, Iron Giant. Yeah. My, like, uh, can you imagine what a sequel to Iron Giant would be like? I mean... We saw what else Brad Bird had, and honestly, we're better for it. Yeah, like, like I said, uh, I, looking back on it, I'm like, no, it, it's pretty much a perfectly contained story there, but... Well, see, that that's one of those stories, too, <laughs> that I'm like... I want to live in blissful ignorance of it because basically the way that Iron Giant sets up its story, there's no way that one of those evil giants doesn't come to that planet at some point. So, yeah, no, and then it becomes an, the second movie's like a big mech battle, but that's not but, in the spirit of the movie. But considering Mr. Godzilla fan, yeah, but I, film. I mean, you're right. But I feel like what's going on in Iron Giant would be like a much harder to write around. But yes, I I, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But you just gave me excuse me. <laughs> uh, first of all, I already am three nine sure I know exactly what movie franchise Orc has in mind when he brought this up, <laughs> and I'll talk about it in a second. Pacific Rim, kind of, but I hated the second uh, movie. So yeah. that's the example. That, of yeah, they they burned any goodwill towards yeah. the third one with that god-awful piece of shit sequel. What's funny is that like Pacific Rim as a movie functions so well as a movie that you either should never have had sequels or like you know put real effort into fran like it could have been a good franchise, but Oh god, yeah. Anyway, I have reason oh, also I've gone to many movies with Woonbog <laughs> and Pacific Rim 2 is one of the only times I went to a movie with Woonbog and watched him basically lose his shit while we were in the theater because he was it's not on board with that. I don't like it. <laughs> it. It's so 
obvious in what it's doing and who it's marketing towards. No, no, it had nothing to do with the Pacific Rim. They were just trying to get to Japan. Well, it's funny to me is that there were, I feel like there were a handful of like three or four not that complicated things they could have done and saved the movie. Like, I've been saying it literally since we walked out of the theater. Number one with a giant bullet. Why is it all set during the day? (laughs) Set it at night and suddenly everything will look way better. Number two, and probably more importantly, is that the entire plotline with Charlie Day is fucking stupid and unnecessary, but anyway. Anyway, I think the thing, the movie, though, that Ulrich was thinking of when he brought this up yeah. was probably Hellboy, was it not? Yeah. That, yeah, that is still the ultimate universe I want to live in, because I love well, those first two movies so, two, so much. Well, just a great example of two really solid movies and no good reason not to have a third one. <laughs> Basically, the scuttlebutt is Del Toro does not work well with studios. Yeah. And that makes me sad, but it also makes sense in that it's not like he fights with them. It says that he has this grand artistic vision and he's going to funnel all the money he can into that grand artistic vision. But you feel like the studios would look at the first Hellboy at Pan's Labyrinth at fucking Pacific Rim and be like, just let Del Toro do what he's going to do with his money and you will make it. Shape of Water! Come on! But that's the thing. They don't make the big... They don't make Avengers money. They make okay money, or in the case of Hellboy money movies, no money because I don't know why. I think Hellboy's too early. I think... Well, we saw the new Hellboy and the less said about that, the better, but... Well, you know, I haven't seen the new Hellboy yet. I have to, for reasons. I will Uh, be watching it you're you in know, for a treat. Yeah, I never got to watch it, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, but, you know, you just touched on something that Woonvog and I have been talking about for years. And actually, I got this originally from Jim Sterling. But uh, the idea that companies – I don't want to go on a big anti-capitalist rant or anything because I'm – but the idea that you can't just make money, you have to make all of the money – Mm-hmm. is such an inherent root problem with the entertainment industry in general. I feel like television yep. doesn't have as much of a problem with this because television is perfectly fine to have middling, okay, just solid shows. But movies and video games especially are like, if it doesn't make, if movies, if it doesn't make Avengers money, it's a fail. Video games, if it doesn't make Call of Duty money, it's a fail. And this is bad mentality entirely. If I mean, there's a reason why horror as a genre basically lives on hey, we didn't spend a lot of money to make this. And it didn't make a whole lot of money, but it made enough. And yeah, that's the... The, the need for high profits stifles creativity at times, and it is very disappointing. Back to the topic at hand, though, with uh, things that we kind of wish didn't become trilogies. Oh, uh, like, it, it became so much more than a trilogy, but can I just make a comment on Land Before Time for a minute? Oh, you mean God, the franchise that is, that is one movie followed by a, a slow train wreck? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I hated those movies as a kid. They taught bad science, and they were saccharine as hell. The first movie is fucking great and depressing as hell, and then afterwards, Don Booth isn't connected. still teaches bad science. And it, it proceeded to do 13 movies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... I... And I, I, I wonder if that is. You didn't know. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not good. I believe you. None of them were good. I don't, I maintain that outside of the artwork, 
The first one isn't good. It's only good because Don Bluth is an animated genius. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I'm just saying that fucking Land for Time 1 depressed the hell out of me. It's not, it didn't, I didn't like it as much as American Tale, which messes with me in a lot of different ways, but I still respect Land for Time 1. But yeah, afterwards it, uh, I mean, sequels to Don Bluth, I couldn't, I feel like pretty confident in the argument that Seeker and M2 is possibly the worst sequel to any <laughs> good movie ever, period. There's the level you mean the one quality. that totally understood everything about its predecessor? The level of quality difference between Secret of Nim 1, possibly Dan, Don Blue's greatest movie, and Secret of Nim 2, possibly the worst animated movie like ever made, <laughs> is mind-boggling. Yeah, no, I remember our teacher read us The Secret of Nim, then showed us the first movie and decided that was a bit too dark for us. So we got to watch the second one, and she wanted to turn it off because it was so terrible, but our options were go back to math or finish it, and we're like, eh, it's a bit of a toss-up, but this still beats math. I don't know. Math's looking pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd We made the gamble we made. I know I'd rather do math than watch that fucking movie, man. Oh. oh, no. I feel like that that is for a whole big group of people. They have no idea that that exists. They're just like, there's a sequel to the Evil Five movie? Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think. Like, I know there are a lot of like animated trilogies. I just can't think. Okay. Uh, Aladdin. Aladdin was a trilogy. It was, yep. yes. And, and not actually a terrible one. Like, the, the, the no. Disney sequels in general are historically bad. But Aladdin's weren't like terrible, terrible. They just weren't as good as Aladdin, but they were still fine. The biggest, the biggest fault of the the two Aladdin sequels, movie wise at least, is that they didn't have as good a budget, so they the, look bad. the art style is lacking. There's also I've the heard fact the second that, one's really well. The, the the big problem with the second one, and I know this is honing in on something very specific, but Disney dicked over Robin Williams, so oh yeah, they pissed him off royal. They yeah, so he wasn't around for the second. They managed to they managed to coax him back for the third one, though. <laughs> yeah, by kissing a lot of ass and taking it on the jaw. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lion King actually has a pretty good. I forget all accounts. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Okay, so here's the thing about, here's the thing about Lion King that's fascinating to me. Lion King one is very obviously Hamlet, right? And that was like for a lot of kids. I when you get into school and you realize that it's kind of a neat thing. But the fact that they kept that by making the sequels also Shakespeare, in that the Lion King, yeah, the Lion King two is Romeo and Juliet, and the Lion King two and a half is uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which is, I mean, that's tangential, but still, yeah, the fact that they're (laughs) keeping this kind of like we're doing a Shakespeare or a Shakespeare related thing, but with lions is really neat. Which I wonder if they just stumbled into that by accident with the first one, and then someone pointed it out, and they went, "Yeah, we did that." I on refuse, purpose. I refuse to believe that the first one was an accident. That is way too on the nose. So yeah, I'm still waiting for the Macbeth version. Like, what <laughs> Disney sequel is going to be Macbeth? Yeah. Well, Hamlet's one of those stories too that, like, I, I mean, Hamlet's my favorite Shakespeare play, and that's a very basic bitch thing to say. But sorry, sometimes things are great for a reason you know good things are good yeah and hamlet is i always wanted to play hamlet in in the production didn't happen but like i mean that's the same thing with like sons of anarchy i mean while sons of anarchy went off in a whole different 
like areas. <laughs> the basic premise is Hamlet, but motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's where it starts, and then it just yeah, that's a that's a that's a series. Let's, just, let's just leave it at that. We're gonna keep bringing that up. Yeah. Eventually, we will re-record that, probably, <laughs> right hey. up there with our sequel to the anime episode. Long-time listeners know what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, There's an old video game. It was PlayStation 2 era uh, that maybe some some listeners will know about. Uh, It was called PsyOps. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... uh, The whole premise of the the game is you are... uh, Well, you are psychic. And you were put in this special operations group with other psychics uh, to, like, do a mission. However, uh, your character wakes up uh, amnesia style, uh, and all of a sudden, all of the other, like, all the other psychics are trying to kill you. And you and you have to try and piece together why. Uh but it was really neat because each of them had like a certain specialty. Like there was a pyrokinetic, uh, and uh, an astral projectionist. Oh, what system was this on? PlayStation Two. Oh. And it was a it was a mix between kind of like Bioshock style, where you uh, it was a shooter, but you also have and like magic. And yeah, shit. you also have your psychic abilities. So you have like telekinesis, pyrokinesis, a bunch of different things, and it's like your guy was unique that he could use all of them well. Uh, and the game ends on a cliffhanger, and it sucks, because there was nothing else after it. That does suck. <laughs> By the way, speaking, not to, because I don't know PsyOps, or have you ever heard of this game, PsyOps? Okay, then, then uh, forgive me, but <laughs> I have another video game trilogy I want to mention, <laughs> and one for Woundvog I want to mention, because this has been an... Because Woonvog and I have been friends for 11 years now? How, how long has it been? How long have we been friends? Uh, I think 12 years. So. so 12 years. Yeah, 12 years now. Yeah, yeah. So, but this has been one of, the, one of the first things that we ended up having a conversation about was that while we uh, played both franchises, I was more of a Ratchet and Clank fan, and mm. he is more of a Jack and Daxter fan. And Ratchet and Clank, that original trilogy, it's funny because Ratchet and Clank has multiple trilogies. One of them is great, another one is okay. And but anyway, that, that original Ratchet and Clank trilogy is probably my my. my uh, I mean, I like Mass Effect more as a as a game, but like Ratchet and Clank, the original trilogy is kind of a perfect idea of what a video game trilogy is for me. And I feel like Jack and Daxter, because I didn't play all the Jack and Daxter trilogy, so yeah. I don't claim to. I played a bit of Jack and Daxter 1, I didn't even finish it. it just because yeah. I never owned it. It wasn't yeah, like I didn't like it. The original trilogy was perfect, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I felt like, and this is just my understanding, uh, Jack and Daxter was doing, like, what Ratchet and Clank was doing in this trilogy was honing in on what it was good at, and then expanding on what it was good at, and just trying to, like, stay in its wheelhouse, whereas Jack and Daxter felt more like the experimental thing, where each game was trying to be a lot more like, what's a different thing we can do? What's a different thing we can do? Uh, they, I, I definitely agree with that. that they, they'd they add new things to really, like, up the up it. But it also, it really helped flesh out the world of Jack and Daxter, uh, while still keeping it, like, not as confusing, and I don't say that because there, uh, 
mild spoilers to an old ass game. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> there are there is a point in the sequel where you where you find out there has been some time travel chicanery happening, uh, and that always adds some convolutedness to the uh, story. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, but it uh, through its through its more wild experimenting, uh, the story uh, of Jack and the Doc Daxter gets really interesting. It's funny because now I didn't even realize I was going to talk about this when I started mentioning this, but then saying it out loud, like Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter create this interesting idea of different ways to approach a trilogy. From what I'm from what I mentioned earlier, where it's like one way is to hone in and focus on what was good and and kind of burn away irrelevancies, expand on what you do. Another way is to go in completely different directions and try to, like, experiment with new things. Like, I mean, the Bioshock trilogy is literally both of those things, where the first yeah. sequel tried to do the Ratchet and Clank kind of style and failed, and then Infinite was like, let's do something completely fucking different, but in just a similar philosophical wheelhouse, and everyone loved Infinite. So, you know, it's neither one is better than the other. It just feels like they're different depending on what your needs are. It's, it's just very different takes. Yeah. And right there is the kind of reason I like having these conversations because now I have, I'm going to be thinking about that idea and kind of expand on it a bit more later. But <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't know, I didn't have this idea beforehand. So. So I want to try an interesting pivot. Okay. I want us to talk about TV series that only had stories for three seasons and they ended with the three seasons. Because there's only two that come to mind and I'm curious if there's any more. Well... Only three seasons. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny because there are some animations I, I've watched that, like, can be constituted that way. We're not but... going to do animes. We're not going to – because they – a lot of times no. they – That's only separate – that's an easy one. <laughs> well, I wasn't – yeah, talking... I am also thinking animations too. Like, both my picks are animations, and I'm trying to think if anyone else has done it. Uh, although there are anime that are like that. So, for the record. Um, yeah. But, I just feel like anime is too easy a well to go to because a lot of those are very short, truncated, or they go on forever. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground. Well, the thing is, though, there actually aren't a whole lot. I think because generally speaking, anime either usually does one season or many seasons. It's yeah, it's yeah. infrequent to do something in the middle because usually the first season will either be so successful they keep on going for a long time, or it won't be and it just doesn't get another season. Cry Kamisama dolls, <laughs> which I never got a second season of. Yeah. So, uh, but because I know obviously one of the shows you're thinking of is Gravity Falls, right? Gravity Falls only does two seasons. It did only. I wish there was a third season. Oh, I, I desperately wish there was a third season, but no, it's only two. Because oh. of the way the story was paced out, it kind of felt like it, it got three seasons, but that was more just weird ass Disney scheduling. See, and that's why, like, yeah. I think I think Steven Universe technically has, like, five seasons, but I think you could break it down in, like, a three-season structure. I don't know. I don't know what its official structure looks like. But, okay, um, I think Hey Arnold was four seasons? Hold on, let me check. I own all that on DVD. (laughs) Also, does Hey Arnold have a consistent A to B plot they're trying to tell? Because it's been a long-ass time since I've watched Hey Arnold. Been a bit. It looks like two seasons. Never mind, just just two, and then and then a movie that happened way later. So I guess <laughs> not. I mean, my favorite anime Yu Hakusho has four seasons, so that's close, but not quite a trilogy. I don't know. I, I'm not thinking of 
because it's such an odd specific number for like seasons feel like a harder thing to break down. Hell, I think Cobra Kai is going to end at four seasons, and I hope they do because that's no. They good. said they're going longer. They have seasons ideas. Well, but we'll see what Netflix as- has to say because Netflix likes to go. You get four seasons. As long as it continues to be good, that'll be fine. It's just that right now, after season three, it felt like four could be the end and it would be good. But yeah, whatever. I mean, BoJack Horseman kept going long after I thought it was going to be bad. And then it ended oh, right yeah. before it seemed like it was going to. Anyway, but that was, what, five? Five or six? I don't remember. I was trying to think. I think it's six. Yeah, I think it's six. So, yeah, I can't think of. All right. First of all, what are your examples? Let's see if it's uh, my two examples. I'm going to do one old, one new. And my old one, of course, is Avatar. Oh, yeah, Avatar. Okay, is really they they had an endpoint they were getting to, and they went along damn near perfectly. I mean, that first season has some rough parts to it. I'm sorry, I can't believe I didn't think of Avatar. Avatar (laughs) is literally the only Facebook group I'm part of. Is the Order of the White Lotus? (laughs) I see Avatar memes every day. I can't believe I didn't think of Avatar. So well, it's weird because my brain like, wait, is that three seasons or four? Like, no, that is three. Well, three I do really good seasons. I do really like Legend of Korra. I do feel like they are. It is a natural extension, so it does feel more like a seven season show to me at times. But yeah, yeah. Still. And the other one, which I have banged on about since I heard about it starting last year, and is probably one of my favorite shows of 2020, is. Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beast. I still need to finish it. I'm a few episodes out from the final season, but it has been incredible. That was, like, I talked about that. I first put that on to watch with my daughter because, like, I, I was just looking for something. And then by, I think, the third or fourth episode, whichever the Timber Cats episodes were, I turned around and that was one that I watched with her all the way through. And we rewatched through a couple times. And goddamn. That was one. They said we had three seasons. Netflix gave us three seasons. We only wanted to do three seasons. We had a story arc for three seasons. And god damn, is that a good show. And also, is it a heartbreaking show? That final season, I'm going to have to get a fictional character tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> I have not seen all of Kipo. I was mostly through the first season. And I just kind of fell off of it for no particular reason. So I don't know what to say. It was very late when we started watching it. It could be. Well, that was also the problem with Owl House is I was falling asleep when you guys put on Owl House. Owl House is so good. It is also good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, and I liked it. I just, I haven't felt the urge to go watch more of it. Probably it's because I've been distracted by watching other shit recently. So, well, that's the thing. See, I got a daughter, so I got to put on cartoons for her, and I'm trying this experiment of don't show her crap, which means I got to find something I can watch, and that has led me to things like Kippo, like Owl House. Like the reboot of DuckTales, which I can't believe it's taking me this long to watch. It It is so, so good, and it is so worth the watch. And as sad as I am to say it, as of right now, it is one you can add to this list of trilogies because uh, they have stated the third season will be the final. Okay, I wasn't sure if they had a third season. So yeah, I'm not even all the way through the first season, but I'm definitely putting that on this list of... It's so good, I don't think I can go back to the original now. And I love the original, but they just do everything better. Yeah, it's on top of, like, the the character differentiation between the triplets, uh, Webby... Casting a Scottish person as, you know, Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) 
I watched the pilot episode of that with Woodvog, and I loved it. I never got around to watching more of it. It's really good. That was the thing. I was like, I, I we started watching it a couple weeks ago. It was like, I need something to watch with my daughter. We just finished Hilda season two. What are we going to watch? I hear good things about DuckTales. Let's watch DuckTales. It's the and more about it. The more I think about it, I, f- I can think of a lot of shows that are around, but it, it's such an odd that there's... So with movies and books and stuff like that, it's easy to do the three, you know, because you're doing three individual kind of things. But I feel like with shows, a lot of shows I'm thinking of are two seasons or five seasons. Like, Megas XLR, two seasons. Ed and Eddie, it's five seasons. Like, I don't know, what was Powerpuff Girls? I bet that's probably... It was like seven. Like seven? Yeah, but so... Especially with, like, some of the older... Cartoon Network stuff, their seasons were split in a bit more varied ways. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing with, uh, say, Gargoyles. It technically had three seasons, although no, it the didn't. Third season, There's the, only two the third seasons. Season is not uh, is not liked, and it's actually lambasted by the original creator of the show. What is this and third se- season you keep talking about? <laughs> exactly. Uh, season one is thirteen episodes, and season two is fifty-two episodes. Yeah, and I think I think SWAT Cats only had two seasons, so it's a lot of like, yeah. So it's a lot of around. That's why I can't think of like specifics of three. I'm pretty sure Kim Possible had five. I think Recess had like four or five. So a lot of fives. Yeah, but when I talk about season three, I mean they not that they you know stopped producing after three, but that they had a story arc that they wanted to tell in three seasons. I mean, The Good Place is an example of a trilogy that's not a trilogy because it has four, but again, it had a very beginning, you know, beginning point, end point where they wanted to get. And I'm trying to think of any other series I've watched recently, like third season. Ah, Supernatural probably could have squeezed in three seasons and did better for it. Supernatural was, so Supernatural falls into what you just described as the good place because Supernatural was written for five seasons. The fifth season was always supposed to be the end of it, but then it was so popular they kept going. That's why, like... And kept going, and kept going, and kept going, and finally keeled over from exhaustion. But don't worry, they're going to revive it somehow with younger actors. What's funny about that is that... And I I stopped watching Supernatural in Season 9, I want to say. Like, the end of Season 9, I think. Or maybe it was the beginning of Season 10. I heard that... Because that was basically... Whatever season the Leviathans were in, it was like right after that. It's really like season eight. It keeps going. I've made it yeah, further. In. I am I, determined to finish it. But here's it what I heard. I heard that the show, you know, the Leviathan is really the low point, and the show started actually picking up a lot better around like season twelve or something. And this is what I heard from people who did watch it. But I don't know. I I, I gave up. Here's the thing. This is all I will say about Supernatural, and I kind of realized it. Supernatural told me directly that it is not for me anymore when they did a musical episode at an all-girls high school as a (laughs) tribute to the fans. And I went, oh, this show isn't for me anymore. That's why I don't like it. Okay. (laughs) Make of that what you will. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I feel like television is a much harder thing because I can think of more examples of people who had, like, planned out visions but so i guess that falls into not trilogy trilogies but a different definition of the term like hell even friends they specifically plotted out the the outline of their show beforehand and they knew they wanted 100 episodes so which is weird i met your mother does that much to its detriment yeah 
honestly, how much your mother could have would have might have been better off being more flexible with its original plan. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's bring it back to movies for end cap. I mean, there's lots of bad trilogies. Aliens is a great example. Hey, you want, Predator. You want, hold on, you want to know one weird thing? Mm. Song trilogies. Do you know any? I know one. <laughs> Song trilogies. Yeah. Explain. Metallica, The Unforgiven, one, two, and three. A song oh. All three are good. All three are very different. <laughs> I just want to bring it up because I can't think of any other song trilogy, but that one makes me laugh because it exists. So anyway, sorry. No, I just want to I, mention it. No, I'm just trying to think like I think there are I think honestly there are more bad film trilogies because it's it's notorious for the first movie to be good, the second movie to be good, and the third movie to be Godfather Three. Which, well, I think, again... God bless I, them, I, they're going to keep redoing that one. I wouldn't be surprised if someone who knows more about, like, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff to tell me I'm correct when I hypothesize that that has to do with, by the third movie, the studio takes a lot more control. Because I think I it's mean, a studio thing. It might also be a director thing, like they're really starting to buy into their own hype. Or when you get to that third movie, they, honestly, you want to do a fourth one, but you feel constrained by the traditional three you know, movies, and then you're done which I feel like we've seen somewhere. Like, that was well, a legitimate complaint I've had, but I can't think of what it is right now. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a good example of that. I, I My mind went back to Spider-Man. But, yeah, that's, that's, but, oh, that might, that's like an example of there was ideas for more, but they had to cram it all into three because you didn't get more than just X-Men. X-Men is another great example of they had two more movies in there that they crammed into three, and they just kept making the fuckers long after they should have. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think X-Men 3 would have been a good movie if you took out everything that had to do with the Phoenix. The plot line It would have been a better movie. I don't know if it's good, but better. Well, good good by that movie standards. Let's say True. that. There are, there are very few good X-Men movies. I think there's Logan. First Class. And First Class. Yeah, there we go. We got two. Deadpool, if you count Deadpool as an excellent movie. I don't count Deadpool as an excellent. That's its own. That's a, Deadpool is a Deadpool movie. I, I agree, that's but fair. I'm just saying that it's not hard to to, to count that. But I, I agree with you. <laughs> if we're if we're trying to prop up that sagging franchise, we'll give him Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. I I like the first X Men still, but it, yeah. yeah. Considering everything that has happened between then and now, it's all sorts of yikes. I wish Ray Park got to be in more movies. So. <laughs> Yeah, he he does deserve more. Yeah, but but anyway, my point is that that was always my like. I think that the the story, you know, Kelsey Grammer's beast and the story about the leech kid and the the vaccine, like that's all interesting, good stuff. The stuff that sucks that movie all has to do with the Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know why they keep trying to make Phoenix into a movie. They really shouldn't. <laughs> the same reason the comics keep coming back to it because it's goddamn iconic. Doesn't matter if you want it. Doesn't matter if they should. It was iconic in the 80s, and God damn it, the 80s get what the 80s want. Moonbog, do you think they're ever going to make the mistake of trying to do something like One More Day in a Spider-Man adaptation? They're already doing it. What are you talking about? At this point, not in the same way. Because knowing that, at the very least, Feige's going to have some some control on it uh 
the the setup with it will probably more likely be they use the title with the story of the film having being nothing to do with like only tangentially <laughs> connected. It should still have pull that hat trick. I mean, that's correct. I would think it's cool if they still include Mephistopheles just yeah. for... By the way, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying One More Day is good. It's not. The whole That's the whole point of me bringing it up is it's terrible. But I think the idea of Spider making a deal with the devil is a clever concept to do something with. So, anyway. See, it's... it's no, we'll save One More Day for another conversation because I have thoughts on that. Because it... There is... Mm, I don't even like Spider-Man comics, but that one just... Oh, you bastards. <laughs> I don't know. It's cruel of you to make uh, Axel have to read that. Uh, We're not, well, we might. <laughs> I didn't consider I'd have to reread it. <laughs> yeah, and I'll have to read it if you want to talk about it. So, Linkara's got a video on that, I'm sure. Linkara, we'll just watch that and call it a day. Ooh, that, yeah, that breakdown is... It's something. Okay, that does exist? Okay, yeah. good. You can, <laughs> yeah, I, you can we'll, suffer we'll Woonvok's a big fan of Linkara stuff in general. That's why I asked him about the, <laughs> the question, because I knew he'd know something. So I don't know if they're are they're com well, I'm I'm really grasping at straws here because I don't I don't really <laughs> know comics that well. Are there comic trilogies? Is that a thing? I'm sure there are, but again, it's it's unfortunately so out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm sure there are manga yeah. ones too, but I can't. Like, well, it's funny because like I was thinking the the only like anime trilogy that I could think of that's like a actual anime trilogy is Fooly Cooly, and that there are literally three different series of it. Yeah. So, but I haven't seen the third one, so I can't I can't talk about it. <laughs> so, see, comics don't really work in trilogies because you have story arcs and runs, and it you got events that kind of tie together. Yeah, but didn't like wasn't Alias like a limited? Like to only like a handful. I feel like we can. That's, get... Yeah, but that's a limited run, and that's not really a trilogy as much as it is. Here's a little story we want to tell, and you have twelve issues to you know tell it in. It's not really that's... book one, book two, book three. I mean, that's what I think about. Like the only comic book I own is Watchmen, and even though that's technically what twelve different comics, it's to me it's just one comic. So. Yeah, no, comics don't really work in the trilogy format. Mm. Well, honestly, well, that's not true. Actually, we can do uh, a shout-out. Uh, Jason Inman and Ashley Victoria Robinson have the Jupiter Jet series, which is on book two. I think they're planning book three, so there's a comic trilogy. Well, if they get if they get book three, it'll be a comic trilogy, and I hope they do, because Jupiter Jet is awesome. So Yeah. There you go. Well, anyway, I feel like we're reaching the kind of... Uh, we're petering out here. I think we've really um, <laughs> uh, we've really dived in and extracted this conversation, at least for the time being. I feel like we there's probably more to talk about, but after an hour and forty minutes of chatting, I think we're all feeling a little like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we did what we came here to do. We celebrated doing this for three years, and we talked the fuck out of trilogies. All right, so then uh, why don't we? Anyone got any concluding thoughts? <laughs> My concluding thought is three is such an... Okay, I, I don't have like any high philosophical concluding thought, but three. I remember, I, I think back to this George Carlin bit where George Carlin was talking about psychologically satisfying numbers. The bit was about how he thought the Ten Commandments were artificially inflated up to ten because ten sounds important and official. 
which is a great fit, by the way. If you haven't heard it, go it find YouTube. But three fits that same kind of thing. Like three is psychologically satisfying because you have beginning, middle, end. But we have, I yep. think we've illustrated that there's a lot of great stories that are not constrained by that. That they go four, five, seven, whatever. So really, three is just a artificial psychological construct, and the trilogy as a as a narrative device only as interesting as you decide it is and to me it's only as interesting as the patterns that arrive arise from people who are trying to kind of adhere to to the trilogy as a structure but other than that i don't really consider that there's much inherently meaningful about it they can be good they can be bad they can be good and bad in a myriad of different ways and that there, there's my concluding thoughts <laughs> I kind of agree. I don't really got anything else to say on the matter. Except, yeah. I mean, don't put artificial limitations on storytelling. Uh, let's take it back to the original point of the episode. I'll just say congratulations to you two for three years. Sweet. Shway. Very shway. <laughs> I'm right. happy to listen to more. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, before we give our proper thanks and outro and all that stuff, let's do a very, very quick suggestions of the week. All right? <laughs> uh, because we are going very long. And my suggestion of the week is Cobra Kai. I already mentioned it before. It's on Netflix. There's three seasons, and it's amazing. And I've been trying to get people to watch it for a long time, and I'm glad that it's got a, uh, an audience. Although one thing I will say that I realized watching season three is that season two and three feel like live-action anime to me, but in the best possible way. There's a lot of that. Yeah, and I mean that in a good way. (laughs) So, but anyway, highly recommend it. There's my suggestion. Uh, uh, If I'm going to add one, I'd say Power Rangers is possibly getting taken down from uh, Netflix come February, so... uh, if you have a, ser- a series you want to watch, go watch it now. Just any Power Rangers season. <laughs> Mighty Morphin. They had the best theme song. Which one what did Fun. you say, uh, Woodvog, which one did you say is the best series? You told me this before, but... Oh, some of the best uh, I'd give the biggest shout-outs to were uh, SPD, RPM, and Jungle Fury. All right. I didn't watch that one. All, all three of those are really good. All right, Ulrich, what's yours? I want to talk about a great movie with a dumb name, uh, Love and Other Monsters. This is one of those... It's a great name. (laughs) I don't don't know. Uh, This is when I saw a trailer for it and went, huh, that looks kind of interesting, and then never thought about it again because 2020 was a continuous garbage fire of garbage fireness. But here's the rundown. Uh, There was a meteor heading towards Earth. We blew it up with a missile, and then the remnants of the missiles rained down and made every cold-blooded creature into a giant kaiju of some form. And humanity had to flee to live in a bunker. And then one day, guy's like, you know what? I'm tired of living in a bunker. I'm going to go see my girlfriend. And he sets out across the wasteland with these really, really well-designed, really well-thought-out monsters. And I'm not going to... I mean, it's a real simple movie. There's more to it than that. But it's basically just an apocalypse movie that's built around giant creatures and there's some great practical effects in there too 
and some great digital effects. Like it's really, really, it's a B movie plot, but with the top tier budget and script. And it kind of wants to be a trilogy. And I would love to see it as a trilogy because it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm on board conceptually. I remember the trailer. I like the trailer a lot. So Yeah, for this, go watch the trailer. If you like the trailer, if the trailer seems vaguely interesting, I think you're going to like the movie. And if you don't like the trailer, give it a shot. It's What else are you going to watch? We have no movies. And you know what? As someone who hated the trailer to Mother, and it was my second favorite movie of the year it came out, I, I am very much on board with trailers not always indicative of what you're going to think of the movie. So, <laughs> anyway... So I think it's time to wrap up. Before we wrap up, I want to, again, thank Woonvog for coming on and talking with us. Always a blast. Then uh, I said you've been my my best friend for, for 12 years, and glad you joined me and Ulrich on, on this podcast when it's available time-wise for you. And, uh, yeah, uh, if there's anything you want to plug that's different from a suggestion, like something you think is important or you know that you've done or whatever, go ahead. I'm looking for anything else to just fill the time uh, to just kind of find enjoyment in in some of the darker points. Uh, Check out the Creative Horror website. They have plenty of fun new podcasts, mostly based around horror, uh, horror in general. And uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, but also uh, look at The Dollop. It is uh, an American history podcast talking about weird and bizarre stories from history of America and other places uh, done by two comedians. It's very funny and also kind of gives a good uh, viewpoint on how some things came to be. All right. All right, Ulrich, take us in our outro. All right. As always, thank you guys for listening, but also thank you for sticking with us this long. And if this is your first episode and you're just meeting us now, Hey, welcome. Enjoy the crazy train wreck that is this podcast. Also, if this is the first time you, you're you listening to us, sorry, because uh, the intro happened to be very different than how we normally go, and we also normally, normally go this long, but thanks for sticking with us to this, to this point in the recording. <laughs> and whatever platform you're currently listening to it on, whether that be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, Thank you. If there's some other platform you would rather us be on that would be easier, more convenient, or maybe your friends are already on some other platform that we're not on, and this would make it so that you can they could easily just add us to their list, well, tell us what that platform is, and we'll figure out if it's within our ability to be on there. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.